This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. It's time now for the Bob Melvin Show, presented by Nest Betting. The three-time manager of the year sits down with Chris Townsend, exclusively on A's Cast. Visit nestbetting.com today. Here now is Chris Townsend. It's time now for the Bob Melvin Show here on A's Cast, brought to you by Nest Betting. You'll love their locations in the Bay Area or shop online, nestbetting.com. For all your betting needs, use the coupon code Oakland to get 10% off everything. When you talk about your mattress, your sheets, your pillows, that's nestbetting.com. Use the coupon code Oakland. Bob, first off, congratulations. I think uh, what a special day that was for you and your family. We know what this organization means to you. And to pass Tony La Russa in wins, what a great day for you and your career. Thanks. Yeah, you know, it's it certainly means I've been around a while and dodged a few, few bullets along the way. But, you know, it, it seems like it's gone pretty quickly and to be – you know, here that long and have that many wins, certainly a lot of people I need to thank for that. So, you know, you'll reflect, I'll reflect probably more so at the end of the year, but, you know, I have to admit it feels pretty good. Yeah, because, I mean, we all remember, we've all been through this together where you were the interim manager and we didn't know. And then finally you got the gig and here we are all these years later. And so much has gone on and the change in the roster year after year after year to be standing here. I mean, I, I bet if I would have asked you in 2011, hey, you think you'll be the all-time leader in wins over Tony La Russa? I think you would you would have been like, what, are you kidding me? Yeah, I'd have taken the under on that one for sure. And, you know, we have had some turnover here. And, you know, it's kind of a credit to Billy and, and how, how he goes about his business here. We know we're going to, have to have turnover here based on our payroll and to create some continuity at the top you know whether it's myself whether it's the coaching staff whether it's the people in our minor league systems guys like you know Keith Lipman and all the people that that kind of you know roll with the tide as far as the changes here and and create a certain atmosphere no matter who but who's here uh, I think the organization has done a pretty good job with that and I've been lucky to be part of that. You know, when you broke the record, we brought on one of your all-time favorites. Even though he didn't play for you for a long time, I know you guys have a great relationship, and that's Johnny to Johnny Gomes. And Johnny really explained what makes you such a great manager, you know, the standpoint of your communication with the players. Just talk about how you learned that communication with the players, knowing your players, caring about your players goes a real long way. It does, you know, and Johnny was, you know, Johnny was, was worth more here in Oakland than, you know, just his numbers. He was a clubhouse leader. He was a guy that, you know, was a great resource for the players. And, and you know, when you have pride in, in being in a certain place, it resonates. You know, even a guy like Dallas Braden, when I was first here too, you know, he didn't get to pitch for us. He was rehabbing at the time, but he was big in the clubhouse and sending the message that, you know, the Oakland A's are a special organization. If you've been around here long enough, you understand that. 
and guys like that are just invaluable. So, you know, the communication part has always kind of been easy for me because I knew as a bench player that it was easier for me to prepare and get ready for a game knowing when I was going to play. You know, even if it was maybe once or twice a week, it certainly made it easier. So if you can go about your, you know, go and, and let everybody know kind of when and where and how much. And, you know, it, even though they might not like uh, what, what they're hearing sometimes, at least it, it allows them to prepare for it. So that's something I've, I learned kind of early on. And that's so different from when you played. I mean, you had the old school hard-nosed guys that weren't like that. Yeah, for sure. I mean, you literally, and a lot of guys, you know, most guys when I first came up, you know, with the Tigers in 85, everybody took the bus to the ballpark. And you got there at 4.30 or 5 o'clock, and that's when you found out what the lineup looked like. So, you know, a little different now. We like to let guys know either a couple of days in advance or, or certainly the day before when they're going to play to just let them prepare. So it, it's different now, and it's different across the board. You mean the Hall of Famer, Sparky Anderson, didn't get on his iPhone and text you uh, the day before? He didn't. I, we didn't have iPhones, and we certainly didn't have texting and then. Um, but I, I certainly didn't expect that. It's just the way it was then. And just if you showed up to the park and your name was on you know, on the lineup, then you were just, you know, at least in my uh, situation, just really happy to get a start. The other night in Seattle, y- y- you got on the guys a little bit. You don't do that very often. Just talk about when you pick and choose a time to light a fire underneath your guys. Yeah, you know, I, there's nuance in that, and, and I probably do it a little bit more than, than maybe people know, but, you know, there, there are times that you need to, to just kind of create some urgency. You know, we were, going, we were sputtering a little bit and, and not, didn't look like we had a lot of life, and we're a team that usually plays with a lot of life, and that's kind of part of who we are, so... You know, if you overdo that and you do it too much, it goes on deaf ears. If you do it at times that, that the players know, you know what, he's right, then maybe you get a little bit more, uh, you know, buy-in from that. So try to pick your spots, and, uh, you know, the other night was one of those. You know, when I'm looking at my scorebook right now from last night's game, and it's just a mess. I mean, whenever – I mean, first of all, National League, I can't stand it. And then it's Coors Field. What is it like managing at Coors Field versus the other 29 ballparks in baseball? Yeah, it's it's not fun. I, I don't enjoy it. Um, you know, I was with the Diamondbacks enough to know that you, ha- you have to be patient here. And, you know, sometimes, you know, you got to give up some runs. I mean, typically at home and other places, I'll play the infield in early in the game, you know, depending on who the starting pitchers are. Here you ha- really have to be patient. And when you're down – or up three, you almost have to treat it like it's a one-run game. If it's five runs, you almost have to treat it like a three-run game. So, you know, there are a lot of balls that go up in the air that, that end up off the fence or over the fence that, that just don't do that anywhere else. And then in the outfield, you have so much space out there. Balls drop. You know, you always worry about do you play deep, do you play shallow. You know, there's just a lot of things that go on here that, that you know, don't go on in other places. And, you know, I'm glad we only come here for three games. Uh, you know, coming here a few times a year can be pretty taxing on you. I was saying this last night in the postgame show that, you know, these unwritten rules about when you're up X amount of runs, where you're, you're not stealing, you're not taking extra bases, all those unwritten rules to me at this park, they got to go out the window because you can have a seven, eight run lead. It's not safe. I mean, you have to always – wouldn't you say the unwritten rules are thrown out and you just need to keep scoring because 
it, they can come back at any time. Without a doubt. And, and you know, it's six, we're up 6 nothing. Next thing you know, it's 6-3. to three. And 6-3 to three feels like it's a one-run game. So you're exactly right. I think both sides probably understand that here. Uh, unless the other team guarantees you they're not going to score anymore, it's tough to, you know, just put on the brakes on everything just out of the respect of the unwritten rules. So that's been going on here for a while. I know talking to Jim Leland and he managed here, it was really hard on him. You know, he was a traditional type manager who had to, you know, it's like a like roller derby here. You just, you know, you just keep scoring and scoring and scoring. It's just, you know, it, it, it gets under your skin after a while. So it, you're, you're exactly right. It's a different game here. How do you feel when your pitchers go up to the plate to hit and these guys have, like, Frankie Montas hasn't hit since 2019? Yeah, you praying that they don't get hurt. You know, we try to we try to keep them semi-ready. You know, we if we can get a bunt down and move somebody up, you know, that that's that's probably as much as you can expect. Every now and then we, we throw a hit out there, and then you have to deal with a pitcher running the bases who's never run the bases before. So, you know, I, I it, it is different. And, you know, one of the reasons that I hit for Frankie last night in the fifth inning, you know, he gave us five innings, three runs, and we got first and second nobody out. And here, that's a chance to, you know, take a shot and, and with a full bullpen to try to score some more runs. You know, it didn't work out in that particular bat with Mitch, but there are a lot of things that you probably do a little bit differently here. You know, pitch count has been something that I've been asking a lot of people about. Like, how did we get this number 100? Like, who decided, where's the science that 100, you have to start freaking out when a guy gets to 100. But now I kind of know where your level is. It's really more 115, and we've learned that with Bassett. We've learned that with Manaya. So in your head, why do you say, I'm going to let him get to about 115? Well, it just seems like, you know, 100, like you said, is the target. And there's certain guys I'll do that with. There's certain guys I won't. I mean, James Caprillion's not going to get throw 115 pitches. You know, he hasn't he hasn't done this in a while. So a little different there. You know, with Bassett and Manaya, you know, you have guys that are durable and have done it for a little while. And, and certainly you want to reward them. To, to pitch a complete game shutout, which you just don't see anymore. So, um, you know, certain guys I will. Other guys that yeah, you're exactly right, there is no science, but it just seems like certain guys are about 100 pitch mark that, um, you know, things start falling off a little bit. And certainly there's the third and fourth time around numbers that you have to look at and, and such. So uh, there's a lot that goes into it, but you're exactly right. There is no science to 100 pitches. Yeah, and you want to talk about science. I am so tired of talking about equipment. I mean, now, now we're worried about copper tone and a rosin bag or this spider tack stuff. We still don't know what ball we're using. You know, the athletic one day will come out with the balls juiced again. Then the, two days later, it's an article saying it's not. The bats are harder than ever before. Does baseball really need to start regulating its equipment and say, okay, pitchers, you need you, you need some tackiness? Well, you can use this, and the ball should be this, and the bat should be this. Because every other sport, they regulate the equipment. Do you think we need to do that in our sport? Uh, yes. Um, well, I'll tell you, you know, as far as, as far as the equipment goes, as far as hitting and the ball and so forth, you know, it's kind of like golf. And the balls are flying more you're getting more home runs you have better bats harder bats maple all that sort of thing i think it's the unfairness of the substance that maybe needs to be looked at i know mlb's trying to do that right now you know it's one thing to put a little suntan lotion and some some rosin on there to create some tack it's another thing to put some of these other substances on it that are really making it 
an unfair advantage. So where the cutoff is, I have no idea on that. But I do know that there's some spin rates that you look at that are increasing at a rate that's that has something to do with the batting averages that you're seeing right now and and no hitters and, you know, lack of hits and more strikeouts. So I definitely think that needs to be looked at, and, and that's what they're trying to do at this point. But, Bob, it's 930 at night, and I'm worried about getting sunburned. i got to have this copper tone. <laughs> yeah, well, I don't know if it's copper tone. It might be some other stuff. But, you know, in a night game, when, you, when you're not sweating and it's cold, rosin doesn't do anything. So they do need to find a uniform substance that everybody can use to have some tack on the ball. So, you you know, the ball's not slipping out of your hands and, and you're not hitting guys. So, you know, that that's the fine line is, is what's acceptable and what's not. But it has gone to a point where there's some things that guys are using that's unacceptable. Well, I, I think like last night when Pinder Stevenson buzzed him, I, I got to think as a hitter, I want the pitcher to have some grip. And if a guy's throwing 98 miles an hour, I, I want him to know where it's going, right? No doubt about it. And But some of these guys at 98 now, they're not teaching these guys command. They're just teaching them velocity. And that's where you see some of these, you know, pitches that, that get under your skin a little bit um, because they're just trying to throw up in the zone at 95 miles an hour. And if you're a little bit early and come out of there a little bit earlier, it ends up, you know, under under the hitter's chin. So I think another thing you can do is drop the, the, the strike zone down a little bit, take away that you know, that that high velocity strike at the top of the zone that's creating so many strikeouts. Let's end on this. Jesus Lazardo looks like he can be a weapon once again out of the bullpen. And I don't know what it is. Maybe it's just me, but it just seems like he pitches with more confidence when he comes out of the bullpen because there's less to think about. Yeah, I would agree with that. He's, uh, you know, he, he doesn't have to establish all his pitches he, he can he can go after it one time through the lineup. He doesn't have to pace himself. You know, he, his it seems like his velocity, uh, you know, for for two innings or three innings or one innings, it, it stays pretty consistent in the upper 90s. And if one pitch isn't working, he doesn't have to, you know, try to establish that to go five, six, seven innings. So, you know, at some point in time, I think he'll he'll get that under control and be a high-end starter. Right now, with the compliment that we have, and as long as we have five starters that are giving us five or six pretty good innings, he certainly, you know, ends up being a big weapon for us and, and takes a little off of the plate of Petit and Deekman and Trevino uh, in the bullpen as well. So, you know, his first couple outings were really good. You know, I know you're very humble, but I, I got to be honest. I was here before you were here, and I remember what it was like, and it was, uh, it was not good. And you changed this organization. There's no question about it. And I'll give Billy and David all the credit in the world, but somebody has to be the leader. Somebody has to be at the front of the plane. Somebody has to be at the front of the bus and someone has to deal with the humans. And you changed this organization and what everybody talks about with this organization, it's, it's about the tone that you've set in that clubhouse on the field. It's been an honor to be around you. You deserve this record. You've had a great run and uh, can't wait to see what the future has in front of you as being the Oakland A's manager for years to come. Well, thanks. I, I, you know, I really appreciate that. You know, I've gotten pretty close over the years. You've been here for, for quite some time too. Now my whole tenure and you know, too, that the, the, you know, the atmosphere is created by the coaches as well. And I can't say enough about what our coaches do in comparing these guys and, and making it a really fun place to come and play in Oakland. And I think our, our, our players 
certainly respect that and appreciate it. That's the Bob Melvin Show brought to you by NestBedding.com. You'll love their stores in the Bay Area or shop online, NestBedding.com. Use the coupon code Oakland to get 10% off your entire order. Love where you sleep. The mattress that Ricky Henderson sleeps on. That's NestBedding.com. Now back to A's cast powered by iHeartRadio. This has been a presentation of the Oakland Athletics. Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story. And one of the best stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons of the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data. From Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware, Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based championship team.